Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Friday, February 22nd. It's episode number 731. Today is Meet My Friend Friday. You guys know I love to have people on who are unashamedly followers of Jesus Christ. And today I'm thrilled because my friend Dale Partridge is on the show with me. Dale is widely known as an online thought leader on faith family and manhood. He's also a Bible teacher and a podcast who's heard by millions. Dale and I are going to tackle some of the pressing issues of the culture today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys, so we got a lot of things coming up uh, in the culture right now and a lot of stuff happening with me. You guys have heard me talk about the day of mourning. Last time I was on the podcast, I... I was planning on staying home, but series of amazing things have happened, and I will be actually traveling to New York to speak for the day of mourning. I'm leaving today. If you are not following that, I want to encourage you to do so. This is Elizabeth Johnston's uh, sort of offering, really, to the Lord. And uh, check it out, Day of Mourning. It's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, dayofmourning.org. You can live stream this at your church. And we're really, basically, it's a call to repentance. It's it's the Christian community coming together and saying, we have we have gone the wrong way. We have walked away from the Lord and just repenting for the sin of abortion. And really, we're praying for revival. One of the things I love about my guest today is that he is also praying for revival. And uh, he and his wife, Veronica, have an awesome ministry to uh, married couples. And he's an incredible guy who just wants to see the church actually be the church, actually follow the Lord. So I'm thrilled to have Dale on the podcast with me today. Dale, welcome to the show. Hey, excited to be here. So, so this is the first time you've been on my podcast. So let me introduce, let's introduce you to my listeners. So you have, I looked you up, dude, on Google and I can't keep track of you. <laughs> there's, pretty much no, there's pretty much nothing that you don't do. So what are you doing now? Yeah. So it's been a crazy journey. Um, we've had a variety of things that are going on. Um, you know, I started off as an entrepreneur, uh, at about 18 years old and built several companies. Um, some of them became multi-million dollar companies with uh, one company had about 50 employees. And that company, Sevenly, which was a, a company we raised money to um, for charities, it kind of put me on the map in the entrepreneur space. And that was cover of Entrepreneur Magazine, Forbes. Uh, I got asked by Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook to come and speak at the 10th anniversary of Facebook and um, and give a message about charity to the entire 5,000 staff. Um, it's not a bad gig. Yeah, right? And it was just a unique ask because um, we obviously have some uh, philosophical differences there, but, but it, right. was really, it was really great to be, uh, to be invited. And so this was my journey for a long time. I was raising capital. I was running around to uh, San Francisco to go raise money all the time. And, and then all of a sudden, I realized that my life was terrible. Um, and we, while we had the whole world, we were making good money. We were, we had the life that everybody really wanted. Uh, Our marriage was falling apart. Our, my, my relationship with my children wasn't strong. My uh, relationship with God had kind of turned into this diminished, uh, I, I would look at the daily Bible verse for the day, and that was like my Bible reading. Yeah, you're on um, you version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so this was my life. We ended up um, selling our companies because we just made a decision to uh, uh, shift out of that. And 
we went into ministry a couple of years ago, and uh, this is where we felt the Lord calling us. We started talking about what I would say is like hard truth, bold topics on the internet. And everybody seemed to really resonate with those things. And it was also where I felt like God was calling us. So we were talking about uh, life and uh, pornography and um, uh, biblical sexuality and some of the harder things that seems that the pulpit is avoiding these days. And we, um, uh, we started a podcast last year uh, called Real Christianity. And we started a ministry called Relearn Church where we uh, plant biblical house churches and we are on a mission to really bring the church back to the Bible. So this is where we're at now. It's been a big transition. Um, but we're in ministry full-time now. We live on donations. We plant rugged, small little house churches. Um, and to be honest, we're actually in pretty hard trials right now. We've we've been under, like, I don't want to say that everything is a spiritual attack, right? But But it definitely has been in tandem with ministry that we've just been suffering sickness after sickness after sickness after tragedy after trial. And so we're pretty weak, to be honest, right now. Um, mm. You know, the scriptures teach that, uh, you know, when we're weak, that Christ is strong and that we're actually, um, you know, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. This is a pretty easy idea to preach about and a very difficult idea to live out. Yep. And and so we're there right now, um, but we're trying to be faithful in the midst of pain. And so that's our quick story. And uh, yeah, excited to share uh, share more in our perspective as we go through the, through the interview. Yeah. And you guys have one of the things I really appreciate about you. Um, I'm always looking for truth tellers and they are few and far between in the culture right now because we've really it's political correctness in the church. It's like bled out of the culture and it's into the church. And one of the things I wanted to get your perspective on uh, is this idea. I saw this in the news this morning. You're familiar with Senator Elizabeth Warren. I am. And uh she has unveiled what I what they're calling, the news is calling a bold new plan. I'll just read it for you. Senator Elizabeth Warren unveiled a bold new plan to provide universal child care to all Americans who want it using the funds from her ultra-millionaire wealth tax plan that was revealed, you know, a few weeks ago because now she's running for president, right? So what Elizabeth is trying to do, I thought this was so fascinating uh, because she's saying, you know, uh, Americans need free health care, free child care, starting when your baby is basically six weeks old. So besides like the big ticket things, you know, like a free college tuition and free health care and free money for people who are unwilling to work, uh, Elizabeth has looked up and found another way that we can get something for free. And her plan seeks to make access to child care universal. And according to her, no family should have to spend more than 7% of its household income on childcare, no matter the number of kids. So families, let's say with incomes below twice the poverty line, which is roughly $50,000 a year for a family of four would pay, ready, wait for it, nothing. So the price tag is 700 billion over the first 10 years. And uh, that actually isn't what really made me mad. Like it makes me mad. Like the whole socialism thing is garbage. It's a lie. Just, I, I don't know why we're not why Venezuela is not on the news every day, I don't understand. But the thing that really chaps my hide, and this is where I really want to get your perspective, is this idea that women, that mothers in particular, because this is targeting mothers, right? So that mothers in particular should send their kid to childcare. Like this is the thing. And it just, to me, it just cheapens motherhood. It literally made my heart race. I was like, listen, we're lying to these women. And by the time they're done and their kids are 18 years old and they go, man, I, I don't have a relationship with my kid. And they go, Oh my word, I got lied to. It's too late. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, 
this is just a bigger part of Satan's plan for the world. I mean, so I, I want to back up even a little bit on this because we know that even as far back as the fall, you go back into Genesis and, and you, you look at the fall between Adam and Eve and the punishment for man is that it's going to be difficult to work, right? And, and to be honest, the, re the reaction to that is to be lazy and to be passive. And we see that that's generally what's occurring with many men in the church and outside of the church. Um, the, the punishment or the consequences for the woman is that she's going to have pain in childbirth and that she's also going to be always at the heels of her husband. She's going to be trying to elevate herself above her husband to be outside of that authority that talks about in first uh, Corinthians chapter 11. It's this idea that, that God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. There's just that order of headship, not in value, not in hierarchy. You know, we are equally valuable but different in position or different in roles. And so this, just having this preface back here, you have that, that dilemma first and foremost. The other thing is that Satan's plan is this. If you want to break it down to the simplest terms, it's that men will be boys, women will be men, and as a result, children will become irrelevant. And that is exactly what's happening. We have a passive man in culture, in the church as well. And then we have a aggressive dominating woman, especially in culture, but that is absolutely bleeding into the church. And as a result, children are becoming put, they're pushed to the wayside. They are being outsourced uh, for that role. And again, this is, this is Elizabeth Warren's, it's all part of the grand narrative that's being put together to get them ways to get rid of those stinking children that are so difficult and that take up all your time because you can't do the real important stuff if you got one of those kids wrapped around your leg. And so that that's the message, right? That they're trying to really alleviate. No, you got to go do the real work and motherhood is actually diminished. It's not valuable. And, and, uh, and this is the heart of the matter. And that's where I think this, this is going. And to believe that it's not bleeding into the church would be absurd because we're seeing constantly every big major women's conference in the church, it's not to become a better mother or a better wife. It's to become a better business person or a better, you know, go find your calling or your purpose, which again is a distraction and pushing the eyes toward things that are outward outside of the home, which is exactly the opposite of what you see in Titus 2 and the rest of the scriptures when it helps a woman understand her role and purpose as God has it for her. Well, and I think it's important to say that uh, not every woman is going to get married, right? Totally. So there are going to be women who God has called to a different to a different uh, place in life. She's going to go on to the mission field. She's, you know, I have lots of wonderful Christian women in my life who never got married. But I'm here to tell you right now that what I see, particularly in the culture, is a direct aim at women who did become mothers, women yeah, who, this is, who this have is become mothers. mothers. Yes, this is absolutely an attack against motherhood, not against women in in uh, in general, but against mothers in particular. It's an attack against the family. We see this. Uh, we've seen this happen now for many, many years in the church with regard to our pretty much uh, pushing marriage to the side, pushing the covenant of marriage to the side, and now it's kind of taking on a different face, and we're seeing it in so many, so many uh, areas. Recently, I don't know if you've been. Uh, if you've, if all well, this probably hasn't happened in Bend yet, but I'm sure it's coming. We've been dealing here with something called the Drag Queen Story Hour. Oh yeah, it's and here. It's, it's everywhere. 
It's amazing to me. And a friend of mine, a really awesome uh, man of God, said to me several months ago, he said, you know, Heidi, what's going on? And this is an attack against, it's always an attack against God. If you can peel things back uh, and look at them on their face, it's always an attack against God. So the transgender community is saying, oh, men can be women and women can be men. And really, we were made in the image of God. And this is a direct attack against uh, men and women as we were created in the in the image of God. And we see this here in just a another aspect of it, right? With Elizabeth Warren. Absolutely. I mean, this is, again, there's nothing new. It's the same narrative, same story. We've just socially, it's become socially acceptable. And again, it's, it's all based on, you know, there's such a, an even greater narrative of the distortion of love. Um, you know, I think yeah. that it's um, uh, Chuck Colson. I, I said this great statement years ago. He says that the river of love must flow down the banks of truth. If we remove the banks then we begin loving and accepting things that God does not love or accept. And, and that is exactly where things are going. It's the church doesn't even know how to respond to this stuff right now. We have been, uh, we're so focused on sermons about confidence and motivation and, and social the justice, thing, social justice and the things that we receive to build our kingdom that, that we are actually unequipped and unedified to build the kingdom of God. We're not bold. Uh, we're, we, we're, a, I don't want to, I don't want to be, blanket statement that we're a spineless church as a whole, but there is a lot of that going on. There's actually Barna just released a study uh, last week. And I'm not going to, I'm not kidding. It literally says almost half of practicing Christian millennials say evangelism is wrong. So this is half 47% of Christian millennials. These are church going millennials believe it's wrong to share the great, uh, to ultimately fulfill the great commission. So this is just, um, uh, indicative of the type of issues we got to, when, when we stay quiet, when we, instead of becoming this powerful force in, in our culture, we become the friendly giant, the church does. When that happens and we don't stand up for truth in love, and so I'm all about doing it with respect and gentleness and compassion and apologetically with, in, with intellect and reason and logic. But at the end of the day, we need to be trained to do that. We need to be ready to do that, especially as mothers and parents, because the world that I grew up, I'm 33. The world that I grew up in is far different than the one that my children are going to grow up in. I never had to worry about the argument of gender as a little boy, but this generation that's coming up is going to have to be far greater at using logic, reason, apologetic, intellect, using the scriptures, knowing the scriptures than we ever had to be because of of just the hostile nature of the culture today. Yeah, you're absolutely right. One of the reasons why I wrote Becoming Mom Strong was to say to these mothers, wake up. This is a whole lot bigger than you choose and than just having a child. This is the next generation of children who are going to be asked to answer questions that just like my generation, we didn't even see these things coming. Like gender wasn't even on the table. I mean, you're 33 and I'm 49. And I'm telling you what, I am watching the culture change so rapidly right in front of my eyes. And to me, and I, I love your perspective on this because I talk to women, you know, it's my, I travel and speak all the time. I'm a grandmother now. And what I'm seeing is this, it's a passivity, which we've been taught from the church, right? The church has divorced itself from politics. We don't talk about anything that we think might threaten our 501c3 because yep. heaven forbid we shouldn't get money, right? Which, wow, yep. that's a whole other podcast. But what I'm seeing happen is we're making excuses for not actually being who God said we were to be. So for example, I've spoken to 
women all around the country. And what I hear is, well, I'm so busy, I don't have time to study the Bible. Or uh, I go to so-and-so's church and and they basically were relying on our pastors to do it for us. And it's made us ineffective in all of our, in all of our trying to be relevant. We've lost the thing that actually makes us relevant, which is a living, breathing, active knowledge of God's word and being able to apply it to the culture. So when you see that happen around you, like, like you and I are both observing today, when we talk to people, I want to give uh, just some hope to the listeners today. Like my answer was to start Mom Strong International, where we're doing like like straight up Bible Bible study every week yeah. at Mom Strong International, getting online, talking to the women about how to apply God's word to their everyday lives, and then as a part of that, they do something called Kids Strong, which is me teaching these women. Okay, now you've learned something. Here's how to teach it to your children, because I think that's part of what's missing in the culture today. But what are some ways that we can? So we've talked about the problem, right? I think one of the reasons the church is so frustrated right now is because we feel overwhelmed. Talk to the mom yeah. or the dad who feels overwhelmed and just says, "You know what? Forget it. It's it's too late. I can't. Nothing I can do." What do you say to that to those people? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going to back up a smidge here, but what I'm going to say is that, you know, at the end of the day, there is, we, we got to figure out what the problem is. And, you know, the very place, the church, the ecclesia that is supposed to represent the good shepherd uh, is leaving sheep lost, confused, and hungry. Mm-hmm. And that's a dilemma we have right there. And so if you've ever been to England, you walk around and you see these giant fields full of sheep. And well, when you're there, if you look at one field and the sheep are healthy, they're sheared, the water's clean, the fences are nice, the pasture's cared for, then you go, wow, that's a really great shepherd. Well, if you look over to the left and you see the fences are dilapidated, the grass is falling apart, the sheep are mangled and they're weak and they're hungry, then you go at the end of the day, it's not the sheep's fault, it's it's the shepherd's fault. And so we have an issue, not to say that we can push all blame off to the shepherd, but the reality is, is that we are living in a time where the shepherds of the, of the church have, have really led us into, led many of the sheep into a place uh, that God never intended us to be. Now, mm. a few things. Second um, Timothy tells all Christians uh, a really important verse. And I, I, this is a, a verse for our home. And we say it all the time. I expect my children to memorize this by the time they're five. And it's uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so one is that there is a call to diligence to present yourself approved to God. We are to be diligent. And so people, if you're listening, mothers, fathers, if you are not prioritizing the word of God in your family and, and the truth of God in your own life, you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot teach what you do not understand. And we are called to be diligent to present ourselves approved, meaning that we can be actually disapproved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, meaning that we can be ashamed in, in our status with the word of God. And we need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth, meaning that we know how to tell what is the interpretation, but also divide it in the sense of, we know how to give the gospel to the lost, milk to the babies, and meet the mature. We know how to do those things. The last thing I want to mention is that God always calls us to be holy. And so this idea where the church looks just like the culture is a huge problem. And so First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, always be ready to uh, give a defense for the hope that is in you and to do so with meekness and fear. That section, Heidi, 
right before that talked about the first chapter of Peter and second chapter of Peter was all about personal holiness, being different, walking out the scriptures. And it says, as a result, be ready always to give a defense because people are going to come ask you about the hope that you have. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is as a family, are people asking you those questions or do they not have any questions for you? If they don't have questions for you, that's a problem and an indication that you actually might not be looking different at all and you actually look just like the culture. The bigger dilemma we have is when the culture at large no longer has questions for the church at large because the church looks just like the culture. That's right. And so we are called to be holy. If you look in the Old Testament, the word holy means separate. Jesus, or God, God ends up saying all these things for the Israelites to be different. They dress different. They eat different. They work different. They don't want to look like the other nations. Why? Because God wants them to be different, to be holy. And in the New Testament, be holy as I am holy. He does not give us commands that we cannot keep. And so, yes, as a family, as a father, as a mother, we need to be reading the word of God. We need to be ordering our families differently. We need to be ordering our families according to the word of God. We need to be willing to look and appear and act and think differently according to scripture so that it, one, gives people an opportunity to ask us why we have hope. Why does our marriage work? Why are our children obedient? Why do we have a thriving lifestyle over here? And and, and as the culture denigrates, this actually is a huge opportunity for us because there are going to be more and more brokenness over there, and they're going to see more life in the Christian home. That's exactly right. Man, I'm just like, I'm over here like, preach it, brother. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, and I think we can we can be encouraged because God will give us what we need. The Bible says that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I love what you said about prioritizing the study of God's word. That is the mission of MomStrong International is to teach women to prioritize the study of God's word. So we learn it and then we live it and then we lead with it. So it's leading with the knowledge of the Word of God. I love that you mentioned holiness, uh, something I've been studying for a long time with our family uh, out of First Peter, just this idea that we're supposed to always be ready. And we're struggling with holiness in the church right now. We're struggling with it because of Netflix, hey, hey. We're struggling with it uh, in so many areas of our lives. And I am so encouraged whenever I hear someone who's bold enough to say, be different. Be set apart. Why have we tried so? We're trying so hard to be relevant and we're relevant. We think we're being relevant when we're blending in and actually we're losing the thing that's made us relevant, which is the knowledge of God's word and being able to pass it on to the next generation. So important. All right. One of the things I love that you highlight is the priority of the study of God's word. And that's been the mission at MomStrong International to teach mothers to learn the word of God, to live it, that's that set-apartness, that holiness, and then to, it doesn't stop there. We're called to a position of leadership. God gives us influence. Uh, talk for just a second, if you would, about the influence that you think that Christian families can have on the culture today. Yeah, I mean, I think we have so much opportunity. Again, just as as the world breaks down, it says that, you know, um, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Um the the idea is that we have a huge opportunity to remind the world what is normal. And so just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal. And so when something is common, it's common for your 14-year-old daughter to disrespect you, uh, sleep around, and sneak out at night. It's common. It's not normal. Um, it's common for people to get divorced. It's not normal. 
what's normal is what the Bible says about life. And so the yeah. Bible is our ability to determine what is normal for the family, for the workplace, for every area of our life. And so we have an opportunity as the family to remind the culture what is normal. And when they feel the bankruptcy of trying to go their own way, and they actually look at the stark contrast between their life and the life that is being lived out by many of these Christian families who are abiding in God's word and who are bearing fruit and who actually love God by keeping his commandments and are actually holy and they're separate. When you have all those elements working for you, it becomes a powerful testimony to the onlooking culture. Mm, it's incredible. And it's, I think it's encouraging because we're able to say, not only can I, can I be the man or the woman that God's asked me to be, I can actually have, have a, an active role in encouraging others around me to do the same. It's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. There's, I mean, there is no shortage of ministry opportunities. The only shortage is created because people are afraid. And yeah. so if we would just be willing to stand up for the truth, I mean, gosh, there's some crazy statements that Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the father. Um, we, we are called to speak the truth. You know, what is, what is of the value of a light that's under a, a lamp, uh, a, a cover on the lamp. I mean, the idea of a city on the hill that's covered by a basket, like what, what do we do? That's, that's a crazy idea. We're called the, the, what's really happening, Heidi, at the end of this whole thing is that people want costless Christianity. Mm. They don't want the real Christianity that, that it says in second Timothy, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so that's a crowd shrinker. It is a crowd shrinker. And we have to just realize that, hey, that's what it, we're afraid right now of responding to the lady on our Facebook comment about her pro-choice argument, while the other Christians around the world are standing up for the gospel and they're about to get their head chopped off in the guillotine. Yeah. And so we have to recognize how ridiculous some of this looks when you look at the martyrdom around the world. And you have to remember that Jesus did Jesus better than anybody could do Jesus. He marketed himself as better any any church ever has marketed him. And what happened to Jesus? He got killed. The apostles, the 11 of the 12 apostles, they all died. They all were martyred. The prophets, the idea is that Christianity is about dying. Now it's about dying spiritually. It's about dying to self. And at the end of the day, when you go and you preach the word of God and you preach the truth, we know that the world is going to be offensive because they love their sin. And this is the art of doing it well, doing it, trying to be peaceable with all men at all times. We're not here to go start fights. No, we're here to speak the truth in love. And that is what we can do as a family, but we do need to wake up and go, hey, it's time. We're, we're ready. Let's, let's, let's actually be a part of this movement of God's kingdom, whatever the cost. I love that. Uh, Dale, where can people find you? For, I know that a bunch of my listeners, because they're going to resonate so much. My whole theme here is off the bench. How do we get Christians off the bench and onto the battlefield to be the salt and light that God's called us to be, to live biblically in a culture that is absolutely uh, opposed to biblical standards right now? I know they're going to be encouraged by what you're doing. Where can listeners find you online? Yeah, so a few things. We have a podcast called Real Christianity. 
Um, and we have about a hundred thousand people that listen to that show. It's pretty amazing because Christians are, I think, homesick for truth and they're hungry for it. Yeah. Um, and we also, I, I write on Instagram and, uh, my wife does well as well. And we also have a, a ministry, relearnchurch.org and a marriage ministry called ultimatemarriage.com. All right. So I will link back to all things Dale Partridge today at the show notes. Dale, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here today and just encouraging my listeners. Hope you'll come back again. Oh yeah, it was so awesome. Thanks for having me, Heidi. For more information on Dale Partridge and his ministry to families, you can find them at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash show notes. Those will be available today. I want to let you guys know that Bible Promises for Moms releases in just a few days. You can pre-order that right now. It's just $2.99, you guys, so get on it. And if you're not a member yet at MomStrong International, we're going to teach you how to prioritize the study of God's Word so you can learn it, live it, and lead with it. Come on back, and I'll see you here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.